Hi, I'm E.K. Johnston, author of Star Wars Ahsoka, Queen's Shadow, and Queen's Peril, and you're listening to the Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. I feel the Force. A Utini Podcast Network production. Execute Order 66. Episode 158, Revisiting the Foundational Five. The Force is strong. On this episode, can't talk, playing Lego Star Wars. True Jedi, yeah! Do what must be done. Make plans to join the Utini Celebrution. Do it. And the Utini crew revisits the Foundational Five. Once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Hello, everyone! Welcome to the Living Force of Utini Network podcast, where even the hosts would rather be playing Lego Star Wars. I am one of those hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight is the full crew! We're back! All of us for the first time in a few weeks to talk about the Foundational Five. What's that? We'll get to that in a moment, but first... Let's welcome back the man who, nope, hasn't been robbed. It's Dr. Corey Helton. Oh, that's quite an intro. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, everyone. Back from the dead. Thought I was going to die on Monday, but, uh, you know, I survived. I survived. Miraculously. You did it. You survived. That, that's right, folks, if you're wondering. That, that's, <laughs> I'm still here. Corey is still but here. But I did, I did have something. I did have uh, achieved kind of a lifelong dream today, actually. Uh, I became... Whoa. Uh, a regular at a restaurant. That's like everybody's dream, right? That's it's right. Like, like you go to a restaurant oh, and they're like, it's you, the regular, right? And you're like, yep, that's what I want. You just take your seat and they got that. You know, that happened to me today. The Although usual, I, Corey? Is that usual, what you need? Yes, yeah. uh, the usual. <laughs> Although I have to say, I did not expect it to occur in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. So... They said, keep sitting in your car. Right? Exactly. That's like, actually more impressive because they go is. through just thousands of people. People a day. They do. Just I'm sitting. Thousands. I'm sitting in my car, and the little lady with the uh, with the iPad. I pull up, and she's got the iPad to take my order, and she goes, "It's Corey, right?" And I was like, "Holy crap! How did you know that?" <laughs> and she goes, "You know, I just remember the regulars." And I was like, "I don't know what this means. I don't know what this you means." Got, for you me. got one of those faces. <laughs> do I come too often? <laughs> this, is, this is when moving. This is yes. when Corey tells yeah. us that uh, he only goes to Chick Fil A drive through on Sundays. That's right. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> well, I'm I'm proud of you for achieving that dream. I've achieved my lifelong dream because I finally get to see Dr. Charles Angle again. What's up, man? Hey, I'm back. I'm a year older, a year wiser, a year more tired. Seriously, guys, I'm so I'm so tired. Is this is this what almost thirty is? <laughs> yes. It All is, right. and it just gets Great. worse. Great things ahead. Well, happy belated, buddy. Then of course we have the the constant, the rock. The only one of you losers who has stood by me every week, it's Wes Jenkins. Oh, no. is, it Wes, <laughs> is, it is it Wes Jenkins? For the audio oh, listeners, it's just Wes. a blank screen. You know what? Blank you know what? screen. Screw it. This is it. This is what we Please <laughs> use what that, look like Use today. that voice modulator like you're, you're in witness protection. This is <laughs> Wes. Uh, Wes is here. He's just in a really dark room. Oh, Lord. You know, I I'm doing yeah, I'm doing really well. Um, I just like to tell everybody that yes, my power went out, but the computer is still on for some reason. Your so, power um, went out. What? That can't be a good sign. 
weird, right? No, just because I have a blank screen, Corey. Go along with the joke. Oh, well, All right. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm glad <laughs> that y'all are here. Anyway, <laughs> let's get Jared and Emma back so we can have a good show. Anyway, hi, everyone in the chat. Good to see you this evening. As I said earlier, tonight we are diving into the Utini Foundational Five. This is one of the benchmarks, the foundational points of our site. Um, and we haven't looked at it in a while. So we are starting that process, and we wanted to start it off by getting you, the community, involved. So a little bit of that later on. But a couple of things before we get to that. Um, Y'all, giant event happened last week in the Star Wars community. I was a little bit glib about it earlier, but I think it's a real thing. Um, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has legitimately taken over Star Wars fandom in the past week. Like, do you guys ever remember seeing, like, this many people simultaneously doing a thing since, like, the first episode of Mandalorian? Like, it's uh, been kind of weird. And, and enjoying it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, right? That's a great yeah. point. That is a great it's, point. It is a, it is a, there's a weird and excellent amount of positivity surrounding this game, which is wild to me. It's very wild yeah. to me. It's like, apparently Lego is that other thing in the Star Wars fandom that is kind of untouchable, right? Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe we just all take this too seriously. Maybe that's what this means. Maybe that's Because if they you just us. know it, hey, maybe. this is just supposed to be fun, it is fun. Yeah, they I, have really good jokes that go along with everything that we've all said to each other, yes. and they just they just put yep. it into form so yeah, we can fantastic. all laugh together. With and the, like with the ship other. combat is a little better than the squadrons. I'm sorry, like it's it's easier. It is legitimately better. Yeah. yeah, I never played any of the Lego games as a kid, so I didn't have the, I didn't even have the nostalgia going in. But I tell you what, I've been playing almost every night, just like turning off my brain and breaking apart the studs. I started in the original trilogy. I'm in Phantom Menace now, so it's been fun seeing a lot of folks both on in Discord and Twitter, our Slack, just everywhere. Folks, I think, just wanted to play some freaking Lego games yeah. and relax. Yeah. So shout it's out fun. to everyone that's playing it. It's real it. fun. It's real, yeah. it's, it's, it's real grindy, but in like a relaxing and fun way. Like It's, yeah. it's fun. I really enjoyed it. It's fun. Yeah. Emma, Emma from the Cosmic Force, she played... She was on... Uh, she brought Utini Game Nights back from yes, the dead. Did. And she played... Uh, she played for a couple hours on two streams and that game it's like it's silky smooth yes it's like it's really it's really uh fluid when you're watching it so it's fun to watch yeah Yeah, it's fun to watch not alone just play yeah Yeah, and as jg says in the chat uh he also brought this up to us earlier this week there's story crawls as we all know before you start each mission but when you go back don't be like me and skip the crawl because you think it's just loading you in it is actually a brand new crawl after each mission that like recaps you, and they're really funny. So, if nothing else, you learned a little something from us. <laughs> Another piece of actual news, though. Uh, we did get to confirm something this week. That is another little fun thing we're doing for Star Wars Celebration. As we said before, we do have a panel and a booth coming up that we're very excited about. But, Corey, we confirmed... One more event that we'll be hosting. We made a poster. We made a page. What can people look forward to on Star Wars Celebration, aside from all the actual Star Wars things? My lovely face. You're going to get to see me live in person. Uh, Yeah, we are uh, achieving another legitimate Utini lifelong dream that I've been looking forward to for a long time. And we're going to do this last time at Celebration, but then Celebration got canceled. We are throwing an official Utini party. Um, free for everyone to come. Uh, Celebration. Credit Celebration. to Eric. Credit Celebration. to Eric for that one. Thank uh, you. Yeah, we have a uh, <laughs> we have a. It's not a brewery. It's kind of like a. I don't know what the, what these things are called. It's like a, they're popping up all over the U.S. Though it's like 
almost like a central area that have all these like little vendors at them and there's like all this seating and like an open space and like but it doesn't like the venue itself doesn't like belong to any of these have you guys been to one of these you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like, like a, it's a shared space yeah it's like a it's like a shared space and there's not like they're not like restaurants at the shared space it's like food trucks but they're like part of the venue it's really yeah. interesting and weird right but they're popping up all over the u.s i went to one in atlanta a couple of weeks ago but anyway that's where we're going still garden grove um it's about five minutes uh uber ride from the convention center so it's like right around the corner it might be a little outside of walking distance about a 30 minute walk i don't know if that's outside of walking distance i don't live in a big city <laughs> eric is that outside of walking distance <laughs> i'd say it's a little outside of walking distance after being in a convention center for like nine hours yeah so, it depends fair. on the person more than the city just saying yeah that's true the the venue is really cool still garden grove uh shout out to freddie from uh legends look back for finding this place for us freddie lives in anaheim basically uh and uh, hooked us up with this really cool venue he knew it he's been there a bunch of times and they have all these like restaurants all around so there's food available if you want to get dinner uh there's a brewery right in there so we're gonna have plenty of beer there's a tea place if maybe you don't want alcoholic beverages like there's a ton of really awesome stuff it's gonna be a really good time uh, I think we're gonna on this one. Oh yeah, look at that! Oh look, look at that chicken! Look at dude. that! It's mac and cheese in be the amazing. burger. Yeah. <laughs> It looks good. It looks good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're still working on exactly what the entertainment's going to be, but we have some really cool ideas. I mean, I think the the going thing right now is to do kind of like a Saturday Night Live-esque type of thing where we kind of put up a stage and we have us with the Living Force. We have a couple other folks. Uh, oh, good a late night thing. SNL is improv oh, comedy. Yeah. We're not doing Sorry. improv comedy. No we're improv comedy. I got late real worried. <laughs> That's what I meant. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so, going to yeah, be a lot of gonna... fun. It's going to be a lot yeah. of fun. It's free to everybody, so come hang out with us, 6 to 9 p.m. on Saturday, May 28th. Um, this is the same night as the as the emo, what's that called, the mosh pit uh, thing? The mosh, is, uh, mosh uh, Isley. I, mosh Isley, which looks mosh amazing. Isley. That's later in the night, so if, you want, if you're going to that, one, mm. awesome, it looks incredible. Come stop by beforehand, come say hey, like Corey said. We're just probably going to set up some mics and have some fun and, and bring yeah. maybe other podcasts we'll be talking to. People are going to come on and just kind of have a good time. This will be after three days of celebration, so we'll have announcements probably to chat about. Yeah, We're just going to have a great time. And all, it's a, uh, as many it's a celebration. Yes. It's a celebration of celebration and the last couple of years of books and comics and, and Utini. It's a celebration of, of the success we've had to ourselves in the last couple mm-hmm. of years. And, you know, we're finally this will be the first time that the great majority of us will have ever seen each other in person. You know, we a couple of us went to Asheville um, together and, and everything. And that's coming up uh, on Patreon. So if you're not a Patreon supporter, that documentary is coming out eventually. Um, but uh, yeah, this will be the first time a lot of us have gotten to meet. So it's kind of like the UTD company in-person party in a lot of ways. It's going to be a lot yeah. of fun. Um, really chill, really casual. Uh, for more details, check out utini.com slash celebration. Uh, yeah, check it out. Check it out. All the, there's an RSVP link on there and everything free. Like I said, free to everybody. Six to nine p.m. on Saturday. Come hang out. Um, I've been told, you know, don't quote me on this. I am cross my fingers. I've been told that the Wi-Fi is very good at this place. And if that <laughs> is the case, then we'll live stream the whole event, um, and uh, hopefully we can make that happen. So we'll see. We'll see. We're gonna do the best we can. But you know, this a a lot of people in LA. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I can tell you for sure. It's pretty much impossible to live stream anything on the show floor at celebration. Oh we're gonna yeah. Try no. to, we're going to try to create <laughs> some content and post it later and stuff, but like, it's going to be impossible to live stream anything on the show floor. I mean, the internet's atrocious. Like you can barely send pic- pictures to other people. It's uh, terrible. Yeah. So no, you know. mm. much yeah. like, uh, what Obi-Wan says to Anakin, don't try it. 
<laughs> but do try to come out to our party. Can't wait to see you. And more details on all the other things in celebration to come. Now, speaking of something Corey just slipped in there, our Patreon community, we want to say thank you to everyone on our Patreon. That makes everything that we do possible. The Astral Documentary, of course, is still being edited and is our $1,000 Patreon goal. But before that, we have our $900 Patreon goal, which is our Infinity's Utini Network Multiverse event. But before that, we have hit the goal. And we are finally recording it. That's right, folks. We are finally recording our Revenge of the Sith commentary this week. There were life delays, horrible things happened, all kinds of stuff. But we're going to do it this week, so look forward to that in your Patreon feeds coming up within probably the next week and a half or so. Cannot wait to watch this movie. Uh, it's great. Spoiler. But look for that. <laughs> and if, of course, you want to check out that or any of the fun stuff over at our Patreon community, check out patreon.com slash utini. You can listen to cool things like the latest episode of Star Wars Archives that came out yesterday, which was, according to Trev, the most, like, researched, packed, informative episode they've ever had, which, if you know the Star Wars Archives, is saying quite a lot. Two things this week we want to highlight. Uh, Mike Chen is writing, or has written, rather, Star Wars Brotherhood, which is going to be released on May 10th. And if you want to get a signed copy of that book, make sure that you tune in on Monday, May 9th. Don't worry, we won't be, we won't be offended. It's okay. It's a living force night. But Mike Chen will be doing a virtual launch event with Delilah S. Dawson, one of our favorites, author of Phasma and Black Spire. Uh, they'll be celebrating the release of Brotherhood with a bunch of cool stuff. Wes has the link here on the screen. They're doing it uh, through a local bookshop that allows you to order signed copies. If you go to the link that's going to be in the description uh, and also on Mark, Mike Chen's Twitter and all these things, you can get a, you can RSVP for free and you can buy a signed copy of the book from Mike. Sit in, hear him chat with Delilah, and it's going to be just a great time. For all book lovers, of course, uh, more details to come with that. But we know that signed copies are kind of a big thing in our community. So we want to let you know this is how you get them. I do believe the signed copies are U.S. only. So for international listeners, uh, as we always are, I'm sorry. Constantly sorry that you, it's harder for you to get signed <laughs> copies except for Goldsboro, where our, our U.K. people can just like go down the street. But I hope that there will be signed copies of Brotherhood for you all later. But be sure to go check that out. And another piece of news we got, we kind of knew this was happening, but we confirmed this week that all of the Phase 1 High Republic main authors, the, the main five, the foundational five, if you will, are all confirmed to be guests at Star Wars Celebration. So, fellas, I got a big question for you. What are you going to bring to get signed by all five of them? And Charles, oh man, what would you bring? <laughs> to get signed what by all five of the authors? All what am I five? sending along with you guys? Yes, that's right. What's mean? going in the suitcase? Uh... <sighs> I feel like I would bring like my Light of the Jedi copy, yeah, just like as the start of everything. That would be pretty <clears> insane. <throat> that would be cool. That would be cool. That's one of the few things I kept. Actually, that's a good idea. I might actually do that because, like, as you guys know, I went full digital this year and mm -hmm. sold everything. Like, literally, have nothing in my house. My office is even empty. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, and uh, I still have Light of the Jedi back there, though. <laughs> so yeah. maybe I'll just bring that along. <laughs> that's the one. I like yep. that. I like that. I'm gonna be bringing my um. If folks have seen pictures of my wall set up, I have this big poster uh, that's like a promotional poster for the uh, for the High Republic right before the Fallen Star came out. It has all the characters on them, and I'm probably going to like roll that in a poster tube and then just carry that and have all five of them sign that. That's my goal. That'd be sick. I like it. I'm going to hug I, uh, 
I, uh, I didn't even, that did not even occur to me that we could maybe do that. <laughs> so yeah, right? But that's true. And the it's lines to, stuff. uh, the lines to get things signed by authors is usually not too bad. You're not standing in line for hours or anything. I mean, usually you show up, you know, 30, 40 minutes before they start signing and you can get stuff signed. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's doable for sure. Yeah. We, we talked about, we talked about tattoos, matching tattoos, the celebration, just get them to sign your body and then tattoo <laughs> over the signatures. Charles? I want, Daniel, I want Daniel Jose older signature as a teardrop tattoo, like right under my right eye. Just like, <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, Corey, that'd be great because then you don't have to buy anything else. It won't take up space. It's on your face. That's right. That's that great. doesn't count. That's it's perfect minimalism. for you. <laughs> well, if there I are... act, have you purchased an autograph yet, either? No, either I have nope. official autographs. I have not yet. Have you? I have. Ooh, what'd you oh, buy? You I have purchased an autograph. It's not an author, unfortunately. Yeah, they're not, but... they're not up yet. That's fine. Yeah, okay. It is. Um, it's Carl Weathers. Oh, I nice. a Carl Weathers autograph because I missed him. Um, actually, I didn't miss him. His all his autographs got sold out when he was at Comic Palooza in right. Houston. So I ended up. I have so many ideas of what I want him oh to sign, and and none of them are Star Wars, unfortunately. But this is one. I'm going to throw this picture up now. Is what I'm thinking oh, that I want to yes. get signed oh. poster size of. Rocky Two is probably one of my one of my all time favorite movies. Um, but I mean, he's been in so many different movies that yeah, I mean, I could fantastic. get Happy Gilmore. I could get Predator. I mean, there's so many different. Wes, can like, you get, get the get trunks? Chicago though, Bears. You, can you get the USA <laughs> trunks and just wear them to celebration and have him sign them from Rocky Two? I have a friend that dressed up as him and as how in for Halloween, so I could get him to sign that picture. There that's you go. Amazing. That's amazing. That's that's a great call. I Ashley uh autographs already sold out. I thought about doing that. I am going to try to I see heard. if I can run into Ashley at Disneyland on on the Wednesday because I, I wonder if she'll maybe be walking around. But but I kind of want to see like the full roster of people, which is a bad tactic because they're going to sell out at various times. But I'm like, mm-hmm. man, I don't know. I, I, haven't, I haven't bought autographs before. I, I got the photo, obviously, with Hayden, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. It's really easy to fall into the trap with that like because like, you, can, <laughs> yeah. you can spend in literally your entire celebration in lines to get autographs. Like It's, yep. it's, it's kind of insane how much – I will say there's it's insane how much overlap there is a celebration. It is not yeah. possible to do everything. Like there's always five different panels going and three different events, and Test. it's it's yep. insane. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. But let us know, everyone, if you are going to celebration and you have bought autographs, or you're excited for some folks that don't have like purchable autograph, but like authors you can just go up and see. What are you most excited to see? What are you bringing? Uh, you know, it's we're we're in the lead up. We're about a month and a half away, so let's. It's just very exciting that it's all getting very real. I want to hear what you're bringing to celebration, and of course, once you get it signed, we want to see pictures. Make sure to send them our way. But beforehand, you have books to order. Did you think we forgot? Of course, we didn't. Head over to utini.com to the release schedule and make sure you get that pre-order signed or not. In for Brotherhood by Mike Chen. That's coming out on May 10th. Shadow of the Sith has got to be waiting for you when you get back from Celebration. It's coming out on June 28th from Adam Christopher. And Padawan by Kirsten White is coming out July 26th. We're keeping with our book a month or so. So make sure to get those pre-orders in to get them day that they come out. And with that, all about a certain thing that we did when we started the site, which was the Foundational Five. So for those of you that haven't heard of the Foundational Five, fellas, what? What is it? What is its purpose? And why did we make it? Let's just... 
We haven't talked about okay. it in a while. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, this is like this is early Utini foundational stuff that we're talking about here, right? I mean, yeah. like we developed the foundational five maybe when it was just me and you, Eric. Honestly, yeah. back in the day, like, and I think it was a little bit different back then than what mm-hmm. it is now. Um, but we knew that, like, if the mission of Utini is going to be to get people into books and comics, we have to have books to recommend them that are like the first right. things. Uh, but we took this conversation really, really seriously early on, and we didn't want to just pick, you know, five books we liked. Like we knew there had to be like criteria, right? Because yeah, right. If you're going to recommend to someone get into Star Wars books, like you want to recommend them like something that's going to hook them, right? So we determined that there's several things that like make a book really good to be a first a first book to start for a new person to read and someone new to the Star Wars book to read. And some of the criteria are like. Something that is obviously very, very good, right? Like top tier yep. quality content, like just the cream of the crop. Some of the best hours books that have ever been written, right? That has to be a criteria. Um, it has to be like a good segue into Star Wars in general, right? So it can't be something that's like uh, too complicated or too wordy or it draws on like way too much expanded universe information. It has to be something like a like – approachable, I guess, is a good way to think about mm-hmm. it, right? Um, not a low like barrier me. to entry. Yeah, low barrier yeah. entry is a good way to put it. Not like me. I read the first uh, Invincible by by Troy Denning, right? Like, it was the ninth book in a series. Like, it's not what you want to read first, right? Forever a miracle that you still read these things. I will never yeah. not be dumbfounded. Seriously is. Um, <laughs> seriously is. Uh, it needed to be um, – we kind of considered author, like somebody that's kind of important to mm-hmm. the uh, – kind of important to Star Wars books and comics – um, and, uh, what else do we talk about? What else is in there? I think that's, one that's of the, the big One of the things, yeah, we talked about that there, it has to be a book that if you read it, there is a path forward to go. So it can't just be like a yeah. great book that isn't connected to anything that is mm-hmm. like, oh, that's it. It has to be something that still has relevance or value to the larger publishing world, which is yeah. why, and, and the, the format of tonight's show, what we're going to do, folks, we're going to go through the current foundational five, walk through why each of these belong in that list and then we have a couple others that we're going to talk about because the whole purpose of this show in this next month or so behind the scenes is to re-examine the foundational five and see if it needs to shift because we've had like two years of star wars releases since this the landscape of literature has changed the authors have changed star wars has changed so we need to change with it and i think when we made the foundational five for the time period in which we wrote it we're like if you're just coming into Star Wars books now, or you've read a couple, but you want to be part of the community at large, you should probably read these five. And if you do, you'll know what your taste is, because it's, it's varied enough that you can know what you like. And mm-hmm. you can kind of have a base knowledge to chat with folks, because that's also a thing, Corey, that we talked about. Yeah. was like, in conversation, these books tend to come up amongst books fans. Like, more often than not, and you can kind of carry yourself in the conversation. And so, um, but since then... There's just been some shifts. So, so Charles and Wes, I want to ask you guys, too, because obviously you, you, we've all been around for a while. You weren't there in these first talks. But in your opinion, how do you think the Star Wars book landscape has really changed since, like, August 2020 is when we published the article about the Foundational Five. But it's even older than that. Like, yeah, Charles what is actually might have been there this? for those early conversations. I think we've, always, we've literally on you? this show, we've figured out that you emailed Corey like a week before me, but we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. these good old days pre-Charles. I know. Charles, that week without you was gold. It was very was busy. Fun. It was a very busy week. <laughs> we got week. so much work um, done, bro. Once you showed up, man, it all went to shit. <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a really good question, though. And the obvious 
first part of the answer is that they started just pumping out books. Like yeah, it, like there volume. was a there was a lull right when Disney bought everything. I was like, okay, how are yeah. we going to reset this and how are we going to do this? And now it's like I, we can honestly barely keep up with the roundtables and stuff. Yeah, like there's sure. so a metric ton of material has come out. Not to mention an entirely new era yeah. that has dominated yeah. <laughs> the past right. year. So I, you know, I, so I think the pure volume and then the High Republic together have just completely changed what we yes, know as yeah. Star Wars publishing since well, that, the foundational five was actually made. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's also been additions. There's a lot of been a lot of representation that's been added, mm-hmm. which has been sorely needed in Star Wars. Um, and then, like you said, the high Republic, a, a whole new era. Well, I mean, you can, that, it's a whole new story for everybody to get yeah. into, not yeah. just somebody that's yeah. been reading Star Wars forever. They don't know, you know, a from Z when they're reading, a high Republic book because it's brand new to everyone. So sure. that could be a great addition yeah. to the foundational five. Yeah. The- yeah. I think we're in, it's like you say, we're in, we're in kind of this, this like golden age of star Wars books right now, it feels like. And yeah. those early Canon years were a little tough. Not going to lie. Like some of those. Yeah. So it's like, I, I would definitely say that the, the bell curve of quality of books, I bet the, the, the peak of the curve and the upper bits of the curve would be, uh, most books are probably in the last three years. I bet though yeah. at least at least the books in the last three years are more likely to be in the center of the bell curve of like of, of quality and, and importance and all that kind of stuff. And I think when we you know, so we've been having this conversation for uh I think it got first brought up about a year ago on the mm-hmm. teeny team that maybe we should have another look at our foundational five. Um, you know, interestingly, we only have one canon book on the Foundational Five, which we're going to go through in a, in a second. Yeah. And uh, even like though we're all just Disney, legends. we're Disney shills, of course. <laughs> That's let's, right. Let's remember Disney that. shills. <laughs> we're There's only one canon book on there, and I think that I think that is not that doesn't mean that that canon wasn't wasn't good when we when we set this no. this list out. I mean, canon was has been excellent since it started, but like. The Legends books, man, some of them are just top tier and still yeah. are top tier. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to say that like we had to kick all the Legends off and replace it with canon. And uh, but I don't know, man. The High Republic really just changed everything. So, like, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of lot of a uh, lot of talk there. So, Eric, you have kind of a a plan for how you want to do this. I think, right? I do. Uh, this is so every once in a while, Corey comes up to me and says, "Hey, Eric, you you have a project." And you're going to head this project. It's not often because I will admit, I am not great at big picture stuff. I love running the show. I love you, Teeny. I love doing my stuff. Corey is an amazing big picture thinker. A lot of the folks on our team think that well. But every once in a while, I get a passion project. And this Foundational Five is something that I'm very passionate about. I love a lot. So I have thought a lot about this in accordance with this show. So the combination of my little project and this podcast is beautiful. So here's how I want this to run tonight, folks. This is for all of you in the chat as well. I'd love your help. We are going to run through all five of the foundational five books currently. And this is not a conversation about why we should get rid of anything. All we're doing tonight is presenting all the books on this list that we have. And we're going to say why it belongs. All of them. Even if it may not make it in eventually, we still want to tell you why we think it should be in there. And you in the chat, we want your support. Do you think this book should stay? Do you think this book should replace something? It's all a conversation because as a community, as a Utini community, we are helping new readers figure out what five books should be your foundation. And you all are also part of that community. So we would love that feedback, love that help. So to start off, I am going to do the easiest part of this entire night, which is picking Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. (laughs) This book 
is number one in the Utini reading order. It is a book that we constantly say should be people's first Star Wars book for now. Again, who knows where that goes. But let's start off with just a little bit of information about this book. This book, for those of you that have not read it and those that have, was part of the Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens publishing initiative released all the way back on September 4th of 2015. This book's almost seven years old, y'all. Wow. Uh, it's, I know. I know. That was kind of weird and aged me just wow. reading that. <laughs> it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a while. Um, Canon's been a bit. Um, this has a remarkably high score on Utini. The reason that I think it belongs in the Foundational Five, and it should stay there, is because for Barrier to Entry, it might not get easier than this book. Yeah, this book sure. takes the original trilogy events, like the destruction of the Death Star, like the Battle of Hoth, all kinds of things, all the way up to the Battle of Jakku, and tells that story within the lens of new characters, which is kind of the great thing about publishing. So while not ignoring all the movies, it still embraces the style of the books, yet lets new readers say, no, 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 you know what this is. You know what planet this is. You know what a Death Star is. And really kind of perfectly combines what's so great about both mediums of entertainment while also just being an amazingly solid read and character study. I think Thane yeah, and Sienna sure. are two of the most prevalent characters in the literature, despite, spoiler, I guess, literally only being in this book. They have not shown up in almost seven years. But they're incredibly important in this book. Their relationship is great. It shows the Empire and the Rebellion as living entities without being like, the Empire was right, which is insane. But also being like, this war is hard on all people, and good people can make bad decisions for the right reasons. So, yeah. I mean, I... Solid I take. <laughs> yeah, I don't think <laughs> this is going to lead the Foundational Five, but it, it was the no, first no choice way. we ever made. It was the first choice we ever made to put in the Foundational Five for a reason. Yeah. Also, no it's way, it's YA, and I yeah, think it it's it's important to Did talk about it? some YA yep. representation in the Please Foundational do. Five sure. as well. It, they're, they are easier to read. I mean, that book is a breeze like yeah it, and it's like oh, 500 an, pages yeah, yeah it's yeah, i mean it it's a it, big book but it, but it doesn't it, feel remember, that way remember we talked about like a like a, a couple weeks ago i think i said something about why books are really hard to write because you have to get the age right like you have to yep. you have to speak to adults but also kind of have a little bit of that in there and that yeah. book absolutely nailed it like i listened to it uh, the audiobook i think last year mm-hmm. just to make sure i was like this is one of the first times i've ever re-listened to a, a, an audiobook um I wanted to like make sure like is this is good. I've been recommending this hard for the last like yeah. three years. Like is this this is still true, right? And it, it held up amazing. It was still a masterpiece. Like going back through it, Nash uh, Windrider yeah. sequel when? Yeah, I hope. Uh, and Justin makes a good point in the chat too, which is an interesting point. Hot take: All of Claudia Gray's books she's written after Lost Stars are better and have been getting better, which is also an interesting point because obviously each writer should get better with each successive book. Right. Whether you agree that's happened or not, that's always their goal, which makes the foundational five very interesting, because even if the author maybe does have better technical writing, which I mean, spoiler, if you're looking on video, we're going to get to later on. Maybe that book isn't as foundational, which makes this a fun balance. But that's a great point. I really like that. Um, I mean, like, I'm just I'm just never like the the point I've been making about Lost Stars forever is that it, it captures like how to get somebody in the books so utterly perfectly because so many big points in the films are in the book. And like, it's almost yeah. like 
it's almost like like the films are this very linear timeline, right? That we're all very familiar with. Anybody that picks up a Star Wars book is genuinely pretty familiar with like the films, right? Yeah. And Lost Stars does this like curvy back and forth over top of the films. Like, you know, we go over the film and then someone joins the rebellion. Then we go, you know, we often have this whole story and then somebody does something with the Millennium Falcon, right? And like this, all this yeah. stuff happens and it's like, that is, that is what Star Wars books are all about, man. It's like, you take this stuff that's in the, in the films and then you like, you expand on it. It's the expanded universe, right? So like, if you don't understand what the, what, what Star Wars books are after you read Lost Stars and you like totally missed it. Like, so like it, it does kind of accomplish that, those goals we talked about with, with your first Star Wars book, it accomplishes that really, really well. And I think it hooks in, readers and honestly i've never heard anybody have like a bad experience with lost stars like people come out and they have genuine criticism which is fine everybody can have criticism of anything but nobody walks away from lost stars and is like this book sucked i didn't enjoy it like and i'm not reading any more star wars books that never happens you want to keep going Mm -hmm. right yeah it never happens so it serves serves a purpose i would be hard pressed if we took this out of the out of the first books like Honestly, it might do a better job than any other Star Wars books ever been written, and it's not even my favorite Star Wars book that's ever written. It just right. it does the job so utterly well, like it. Yeah, it, it needs to be there, <laughs> yeah. especially because it goes through the OT. Yeah, a lot of people mm-hmm. have seen the OT, and that's so that's yeah. kind of what makes it familiar. Right. I, I started with the original Thrawn trilogy, and then I read a lot of Legends books that um, that Corey sent me on. <laughs> I'll I stop. Did. I did. <laughs> book boxes. But, Don't um, ever bring that up again, Wes. Yeah, say it. <laughs> but uh, uh, so a lot of them are new stories. There are a lot of planets. There are a lot of words that I couldn't pronounce within these Star Wars books. And then it, I think uh, Lost Stars is probably like my seventh or eighth Star Wars book. And like after, I, like I mean, probably when I was quarter way through, I was like, okay, I get it. I get why everybody is recommending this. Yeah. It's an easy read, and it gets me from the beginning like of the OT and then like you said Corey it goes through the movies and it puts you in those you know where those spots are it's just a different story with different characters and then I mean but there are parts in there where you're like remember on the Death Star Sienna's one yeah. of the yeah. She's one of the, she's one of the workers down there yeah, you're yeah. like oh, does it, I can't does believe it. best times meeting Vader <laughs> so uh, All right does solid so well. start we yeah. start of course with the most familiar thing and then hilariously the next part of the foundational 5 which Corey's going to chat about is this guy, which is the most unfamiliar thing with no characters you've ever heard of. Corey, yeah. talk about Darth Bane Path of Destruction. <laughs> yes, I am very happy to talk about Darth Bane Path of Destruction. And, you know, we have this whole other project going on right now, too, at UT, and we're reevaluating our review system. And I'm, like, I'm like pushing pretty hard to get one of the Darth Bane books into the, like, top three books ever, echelon, masterpiece Star Wars books, like up there with Revenge of the Sith and Lost Stars. Because I legitimately think that the Darth Bane books also serve a lot of purposes that make it like a masterpiece. And um, so let's talk about this for a second. Darth Bane, Path of Destruction by Drew Carpshin. I've never been able to figure out how you say their name. Carpshin. Carpshin. Carpshin? 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 I don't remember. It says in the audio book, but I still can't remember. Uh, Darth Bane, Path of Destruction, released in uh, September of 2006. This is like peak legends, in my opinion. Um, the book was narrated by Jonathan Davis, who was like one of the great narrators that we have in Star Wars books. Uh, we need to get him on something else ASAP. Um, really, uh, really Corey, you missed the show last week. He is doing Brotherhood. 
by Mike. No Jett. way. Yes, he no is. Way. For sure. Holy yes, smokes. Yeah, we all lost our mind. <laughs> yeah. We, Holy we crap. had the same reaction. <laughs> I missed that. Holy smokes. I even listened to the episode, and I don't remember hearing you yep. guys talking about that. Holy crap. That is insane. Because we were like, oh, if because uh, Mike Chen is like, oh, Revenge of the Sith novelization inspired me. And Wes <laughs> like, yeah. And Wes and Jared were like, oh, if only Jonathan Davis did it. And we Googled it. And Jonathan Davis is doing Brotherhood. <laughs> Holy smokes. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Jonathan Davis is a really great anyway. narrator. <laughs> we, we sure have hyped him up, so I hope he does a good job. <laughs> uh, this uh, The Darth Bane book has been reprinted with the first round of the Essential Legends collections. Like when they announced that they were doing these books, this is one of the first books they announced. So I mean, we have support from the powers that be that it's amazing, right? It's considered Essential Legends. And I think it's like, I think whereas Lost Stars is like the perfect like segue into Star Wars books or maybe even to canon, I think that the Darth Bane books are like the perfect segue into Legends. And let me kind of tell you what I'm with that. Speak yeah, so, on it! So this is, uh, so it's set in a time well before the films, right? Like 20,000 years before the films or something crazy like that, right? Like it's Old Republic, like... Like, we are in an era that people are completely unfamiliar with. We don't know anything except that there's Jedi and, and maybe the Sith thing, which we don't really know much about from the films, right? Which are these bad guys that are called Sith. And uh, it's just a whole new era of exploration. Um, we get all these crazy Force powers. That it feels like you're in a video game. Like, the Force, force powers are just insane. Um, you get a ton of dark side exploration of like that is... I would argue pretty absent from the films of like what it means to like feel the dark side. Everybody talks about like Yoda and the light side and all that stuff is in the films. We don't have a whole lot of dark side of like a true villain story of mm-hmm. like what it's like to be part of the dark side. And then finally, you know, it's a perfect segue into legends because it's a three book series, right? And that's the glorious mm-hmm. thing about legends. Is there's so many multi book series where like you finish one and you pick up the next one, just continue the story. Um, and I, like the entire trilogy holds up phenomenally. Um, it really, really does. I listened to the Bane books uh, last year again on audiobook, and it was a glorious experience. And they're really, really, really good. And I think that I think that that segue into Legends being your first Star Wars books ever. Like if you don't even read Lost Stars, you don't have to read this in any order. The Foundational Five. That's the nope. whole point of this. Nope. If you picked up the Darth Bane books, I think you have a really good chance of getting hooked on Star Wars books because. You have all this weird uniqueness to it that's like villains and everybody has lightsabers and it's this weird stuff that's like different from the movies but still very much Star Wars and interesting and cool. And I don't think that really any other series accomplishes like that the way that Bane does. Like it's just so original. The entire series is so original but still very much captures that this is obviously Star Wars. You know what I mean? And I think one of the cool mm-hmm. things about Darth Bane um, – so I want to say because I want to. I know we all love Bane. Uh, this is the Central Legends version of it. It is the hero's journey, by like the Joseph Campbell hero's journey for a villain, which is amazing. Because when you when you meet him, if you haven't read Darth Bane yet, it starts <clears> off with him not as Darth Bane, just as a man working like a terrible job, and you see him learn and basically do be like the path that Luke take, or more so that Anakin takes. But in, like, a dark side way. And it's really fun to see, like, those very classic tropes, which, as a, as a new reader, you can instantly recognize. But for a guy that's going to, like, command lightning storms with his mind. Oh, yeah. And you're rooting for him. You're rooting <laughs> yes, for him the whole yes, time. You're, yes. like, you're rooting like, for the bad guy. You're like, kill that whole family. Root. Kill it, Bane, on <laughs> their dark side. Like, That'll help, Kill right? the child in front of his father, Bane. <laughs> like, you want it. It's That's not hyperbole. Ridiculous. He kills a child in front of a father to get dark side energy. Dude, like, it's, it's so dark. It's so dark. And, <laughs> but it's like, 
Yeah. Wes, now, the Bane trilogy <laughs> is very near and dear to you as well, right? I mean, you read this pretty, yes, pretty absolutely. early on. This was, this was uh, so I read um, the original Thrawn trilogy, and this was my second go of, of reading Star Wars. It was the Darth Bane trilogy, and I was hooked immediately. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, one after the other after the other. I mean, I went all three back to back to back as soon as possible. Yep. It was like you said, Eric. It was it's the it's the hero's journey from the dark the side. The anti-hero's journey, Jacob. There in the you chat. go. Well done. <laughs> well done. Right. Yeah, but he does an excellent job of just describing all of those force powers. You don't have to th- like sit down and think about how would he have done that. How does he do? Like, I don't want to spoil it or anything, but there are. It's it's very well laid out, yep. and you you definitely root for the bad guy in this one. Yeah, they're intense and great. Uh, Wes, I'm just going to keep you going here. Speaking of rooting for the bad guy, the next book in our <laughs> foundational five is none other than your recently completed Revenge I of did the it. Sith novelization. I freaking did it, guys. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was probably, I, I, what do you want to think, 15 episodes back where I was like, I have never read this book. <laughs> and now I can say that I have read it. I had listened to it actually on my commute to work over a couple of weeks, I guess. Um, and so I guess we'll say number three on the foundational five is Star Wars Revenge of the Sith by Matthew Stover. So Matthew Stover wrote Shatterpoint, uh, The New Jedi Order, Traitor, Luke Skywalker, and Shadows of Mendor. Have mm. any of y'all read that one? I own it. I have not read it. I hear yeah. not a great reputation, <laughs> but he wrote this. Most importantly, more importantly, he wrote this. Yes. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Moving so um, <laughs> it is narrated narrated by Jonathan Davis, and like the like the title of the book, it is the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, the cinematic movie. So it was released on April second, two thousand five, which was like. A month and a half before the movie came out. Crazy. So if if you read the book, then you got the movie, and you probably went to the movie and were like, hey, they left out this. They left out that. Maybe maybe the only time you read the book before you went to the movie and were a little disappointed like in the movie. Like in Star Wars Wars specifically. This is like when... (laughs) <laughs> this is like when they released the Phantom Menace soundtrack and one of the tracks, like last track says like the funeral of Qui-Gon and you could pick it up before oh, going no. into the yep. movie. Yeah. Remember that? Wait, but a question. Wes, but, but isn't it a novelization? Isn't it just the same as the movie? It doesn't add anything extra? <laughs> yes. Next question. <laughs> no, absolutely not, Eric. <laughs> so here's the thing. So not only is the plot, it's exactly like the cinematic movie, but it also adds like the deleted scenes that are in the movie. It also adds in like expanded universe content that was from other books, like um, like Labyrinth of Evil, which is this is part of a uh, Dark Lord trilogy. This is the middle book. Labyrinth of Evil is the first one, and then we have uh, Revenge of the Sith, and then Dark Lord um, is the third book. So, anyways, he adds concepts from all of these expanded universe novels into the book that's ne- that it's never been done before like that um there's also like points from shatterpoint there's parts from star wars the clone wars animated series that are in this book so all these little bits and pieces from all these star wars uh, mediums were added into the book which helped with one of the amazing points they put in here is all the points of view and all the inner workings of all the different characters that you don't really see in the movie. So you hear what Yoda thinks. You're hearing what 
Palpatine is thinking, what um, what Kenobi is thinking when he's like looking at Anakin. He's like, Anakin has kind of a darker side to him. Like I feel, I feel cold when he comes by when he's um, next to Palpatine and a nice butt stuff like that. And, and a nice butt. I literally had, I rewound it and I was like, did he say that? And he did. <laughs> so, but one of the I've heard this in passing lots of times, but the one of the major philosophical questions of the Jedi for, in for Anakin was, is he the chosen one? He's going to bring balance to the Force, and they bring that up, or Matthew Stover brings it up quite a bit, and throughout this novel. Does he bring balance to the force? Does he bring balance to the force? And so is it they can't he took a step back and I think it was it was either Mace or it was either Yoda that said, Listen, guys, if he brings if the prophecy of bring balance to the force, is it because there's too much light and we need a more dark side mm-hmm. to balance the to balance it out? So they they go over this quite a few times in the book, and I that was like it floored me. Um so yeah, this I think it is a perfect addition to the Foundational Five because, much like um, Lost Stars, it follows the events of a movie, mm-hmm. and you already know about the characters. You already know the story because you've seen the movie, but you don't know the the very the details and what they are thinking whenever, like, say Anakin comes by and Anakin is and um he's having those like harsh dreams when he wakes up in, in a in a like in a stupor and then um, some of the stuff that Yoda thinks and how Yoda ends up turning into a Padawan at the end of the movie to be Qui-Gon Jinn's master. So, or Qui-Gon Jinn being the master of Yoda. Crazy. I did a TikTok video about that because I was like, I I listened to on the road. I was like, I have to, I have to record this. This is amazing. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, um, so as it being easy to get into, this is perfect to get into because everybody knows the story. Mm-hmm. But as you read it, you learn something a little bit here, a little yeah. bit there. And you also, it, it'll spring you into reading The Dark Lord, which is the book after this. And the book before it, you want to know what happens in, say, episode two. Mm-hmm. Then Labyrinth of Evil, you kind of see hints of how Anakin is turning towards the dark. Yeah. And I think one of the cool yeah, things about Revenge of the Sith, why it belongs in the Foundational Five as well, like you're saying, it has all these amazing descriptors. And I think someone said it earlier in the chat. Uh, yeah, Justin said, we want a good mixture of styles, right, within the financial yeah. five. Like Lost Stars, as Charles said, is a great YA, glamour relationship stuff. Darth Bane is kind of a more classic narrative, but with a villain. This prose style in Revenge of the Sith is kind of unique in Star Wars, which is odd for a foundational book. But it does show how beautiful just the language and sentence structure of the book can be, which is like the – it's kind of like what we talked about with Ronin last year. Like, even yeah. if – the fact that books like this, like Revenge of the Sith, can exist in Star Wars and you read it, you're like, oh, my goodness. This isn't just IP fodder. You can put descriptors mm-hmm. – like, when he talks about the dragon within Anakin, when we're talking about yeah. the coldness of being <clears throat> in the really Vader rich. suit, like, right. yeah. It's really beautiful, and unlike anything really else. And, I mean, I oh. think I think we've I think Utini has a uh, as uh, like multiple times in the past, pretty much essentially dis- stated that this is like the best Star Wars book that's ever been written, and like it took like an utterly phenomenal story of Anakin's fall and the tragedy yep. of Anakin's fall, and just applied a crap ton of prose and like exploration of their thoughts and feelings, and like it just made it like 
like it's such a good read. You can't, you know, I speed read everything, right? I can, mm-hmm. like, I'm mm-hmm. kind of notorious for this, and I miss a lot of details because I read so quick. I, you, I can't speed read this, like, because nope. the details are too important. So, like, this would be such, this would be a book that would be so easy to just be like, skip, 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 skip. I saw the film, but you can't, <laughs> you can't do that no, no, when you no, no, read right. it. You can't do that because the the story is just too rich. It's too rich. You don't want to do that, right? Yeah. You want to get. Yeah. Oh, did it hold up, Wes? And we've like hyped it up forever. Oh, a hundred percent. So yeah, if yeah. you get the audio book, um, because the audio books dramas have all the background music and yeah. the sound effects, which make it, I mean, tenfold that much better. But I found myself skipping back the thirty-second skip back. I don't know. 50, 60 times when I was listening to this because I was like, there's no way that just happened. And I was like, skip back, skip back, skip back. And I listened to it again. And like, it's just set those points that they he adds to the book. It's just something that didn't add into the movie that makes the overall expanded universe yeah. that much better. Cause you right. know, you have that knowledge to, you know, express to your friends or it's applied yeah. to the movie yeah. and to the overall concept itself. It's that, uh, it's, like, Sorry, go ahead, Charles. It's the same thought that people had, you know, with the Clone Wars television series. Is like Anakin's fall makes more sense now because, like, yes, there was so yes. much story that needed to happen in Revenge of the Sith. As fantastic of a movie as it was, things do feel abrupt, and it does actually lend itself to book format a lot better because there's just time. So, yep. like, this is yeah, this is great for that reason. And I also just think it's important to have a novelization represented in in the foundational five or whatever number we end up with. I think just letting people understand that like, this is an avenue you can take, but it's not just exactly what happened in the movies. That's really important. I know we're not going to do this for every book, but I feel like I must just read the end of the introduction of this book. Cause it's one of the (laughs) best pieces of writing in all of star Wars. And it says a pair of starfighters, Jedi starfighters, only two, two is enough. Two is enough because the adults are wrong and their younglings are right. Though this is the end of the age of heroes, it has saved its best for last. So, mm. foundational book, right there. There's a Twitter bot. There's a Twitter bot for Revenge of the Sith. It's Revenge of the Sith yep. quotes. Yeah. I follow it on Twitter, and I want to retweet every single one of them. <laughs> I, it has so many quotable lines. The romance between Padme and Anakin is unbelievable. We can't hide this book up enough. It seriously is one of the best books ever written. Maybe yep. the best book ever written. Yeah, I'd be hard pressed to take and this. And that's one. why oh, we're taking oh, it out. Oh, it out. Sorry, everybody. We'll replace it with a Jedi. All right, moving on. All right, two more books in the, that are in the Foundational Five, and then we will get we'll, we'll go a little more easier through the ones that we're thinking about uh, auditioning. That's it's an audition. That's what it is. You want to get in the crew? Yeah. Uh, like but Corey, you're taking another one of those that just seemed like an obvious choice when we were making this yeah. because of the mm-hmm. history of Star Wars books. Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. Air of the Empire by Timothy Zahn. If you go to any message board on the internet and ask, what Star Wars book should I read first? The overwhelming recommendation is going to be Air of the Empire um, by far. Um, it's always the highly recommended. Air of the Empire was rewritten by the OG Timothy Zahn. I mean, he's been around since the beginning. He essentially invented Star Wars books. Like, Michigan I mean, he's kind grad, of. Yay, yay. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, Tim Zahn is not. Uh, he's he didn't write the first Star Wars book by you know any any way shape or form. Um, but he did essentially he essentially credited with kind of setting off but the he? world. But I mean, he kind of did. He kind of <laughs> set off the world of uh, of Star Wars publishing. I mean, it was on bestseller list forever. Um, Nineteen ninety one, I believe, is when this book was released. Yep. 
Um, you can't ignore that significance. I mean, we put this in the in the foundational recommendations. Um, this was reprinted again with the first round of Legends books. So again, we have the support from the higher you know higher powers that be. Um, it's a perfect intro to the continuity of Legends. It takes place after the films. This is really really important in the Legends sort of um, canon. What is it? Canonicity? Is that, did I say that word right? Canonicity? Canonical? Canonic. Anyway, whatever. Legends canon. <laughs> it's go. important for it's important for the legends timeline, right? Yeah. If, there we go. There uh, we everything go. that happens in Heir to the Empire, because Heir to the Empire was essentially episode seven for the longest time, right? I mean, it takes place after Rajay. Yeah. Um, it kind of tells the story of our main heroes and what happened after you know after the destruction of the second Death Star. Um, and it does a lot of really cool stuff in the book. There are a lot of big things that happen that are very important for Legends storytelling, right? Uh, we get an intro to Mara Jade. This is uh, Luke's wife in Legends. Um, that character is created by Tim Zahn and is in this book. It's kind of introduced in this book. Um, prominently features a bunch of the pilots of Rogue Squadron that we already know and love, like Wedge and Tilly's. It sets up the X-Wing series really nicely. It's a really famous series in Legends. Um, introduces Thrawn for the first time. First time we ever get the character Thrawn, who's now hugely important with with canon books and storytelling, um, the Rebels TV show, and is now going to be brought to live action. Like one of the first characters, major characters, be brought to live actions from from Star Wars books is inc- is incredible that this is even happening um, with the Ahsoka TV show. Uh, yeah, we assume, my goodness. We assume anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, we also get an introduction to Talon Card, who is a, a, a really big character in Star Wars Legends. Um, there's a really cool roguish, kind of Han Solo-like character who's featured heavily throughout Legends. Um, we get the Solo children are sort of introduced. They're uh, Han and Leia's uh, son, Anakin, which is not confusing at all. Uh, <laughs> I will say reading <laughs> reading about Anakin in Invincible by Troy Denning as my first ever Star Wars book. Kids referencing Anakin. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? Anakin didn't do any of this stuff. Like, what are they? <laughs> anyway, it kind of freaked me out. Um, yeah, so the solo children, you have Anakin and then Jason and Jaina. Um, Jason and Jaina are uh, the, the twins. They're Han and Leia's twins. They're unborn. So like Leia is pregnant throughout the series and it talks about a lot of that kind of weird force stuff is really interesting. Um, and then Heir to the Empire was, uh, this is a really fun fact I, I found when I was doing some of this research. Heir to the Empire was the first Star Wars book to refer to the galactic capital as Coruscant. First one yep. to do that. Yep. And then George mm-hmm. Lucas loved the idea and he made that Star Wars canon, um, like from Heir to the Empire, which is huge. It's one of the most important yeah. planets in Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, which makes it official that George Lucas, uh, loves Heir to the Empire, hates everything Disney has ever done. Um, he really wishes that it would all be torn down. He's going to actually remake The Last Jedi in four years. Mm-hmm. So this is all confirmed. With that. this story, actually. Yes, exactly. This yes. One. Uh, correct, dire- correct. Directed by Timothy Zahn, I think. Yeah, uh, and I think or, Thrawn so. will be The Last Jedi, actually, canonically. Yeah, great. I think that's it. All right, moving on. Um, so, yeah, uh, Heir to the Empire <laughs> is... not true, uh, is it? <laughs> no, 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 no we'll write an article about it. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> get some clicks um air the empire is hugely important i, I yeah. think it, i think it, it certainly deserves to be in the conversation about being one of the first star wars books ever um ever read by anybody and if you go to reddit and ask this is what they're gonna say and maybe they're wrong oh, who knows oh, i said it i said it uh that's I, what i did i i do have I did a, that really oh it was the first thing you read the first thing I read, I googled what's where should I start yeah. for Star Wars books. Blah blah blah. I think blah, it's blah. universally the first that, that they said. It yeah. is universally recommended. I think we were one of the first really people to prominently say maybe don't read this first. I mean, it isn't our top five that mm. you read first, but yeah, for sure. Um, I think there are a couple small disadvantages there to the Empire that that like 
you could maybe argue make it not a great first book to read that I'm going to bring up right now. Um, we haven't done that yet. Hold on to your butts. We haven't brought up any negativity. Or not negative. That's not what this is. We've not brought up any no. real criticism because, quite frankly, I've not had any criticism so far. Yeah. Um, but Heir to the Empire, I think, maybe could have a conversation about this not being in the Foundation of Five. Let's talk about that really fast. Um, the book was published 30 years ago. All right. Take that. Like into a, this book is older than I am. I'm only 28. This book was pu- published 30 years ago. Oh my goodness. Um, which is naturally going to have some things associated with it, right? Like some of the language feels a little dated. Like it feels very much like an 80s, 90s sci-fi writing, right? It has that sort of complexity and mm-hmm. language. Um, it's it that could be maybe a problem for for some readers, particularly if you're going to go from this to reading other Star Wars books, right? Because that's what the that's what this is. The Foundational Five is what do you read first? Um, uh, like some of the language could be could be challenging. Um, and I think I think I can say now that Heir to the Empire, the existence of Heir to the Empire, could maybe be a little confusing for new readers. Actually, um, interesting because we sure. have. We have, we have prominently prominently featured characters that have now been very much fleshed out in canon now, right? Um, this is not what happened in Episode Seven, right? Yes, this is Legends canonicity, but if you're that's the word canonicity. There you uh, go, you got there. I know. Um, this is Legends. Yes, the timeline is different and everything in, in Legends, but if you don't know like everything that we all know about all the Star Wars canon Legends differences and all that kind of stuff, this could be a little confusing going from. Wait, this took place instead of like Force Awakens, and what the Han and Leia have other children, not been so like you see what I'm saying? Like it's a little confusing yes. that this is a direct contradiction to the Force Awakens, right? And it's also a little confusing that we now have Thrawn brought into canon, who his story has been completely fleshed out and totally retconned. Um, one of the only characters in in Star Wars publishing that has been. Like, the legend story is literally not true. Like, you cannot say that it is a legend. That's right? how it happened. So it's yeah, a right. myth. That's, that's, maybe, maybe that is how it happened. You can literally not say that at all because it is completely contradicted by, um, by canon Star Wars storytelling, right? So I could argue that, you know, maybe I'm way overthinking this, but I could argue that maybe Heir to the Empire is a little confusing. The existence of Heir to the Empire is a little confusing in the big picture of Star Wars storytelling. And you could maybe make an argument that it's no longer... One of the best things to read first. Is it an amazing book? Yes. Yes. Eight, nine, ten out of ten. Unbelievable book, but maybe not the first one you read. We talked earlier about how many books have come out since the Foundation of Five was created. Is it like, isn't it like five of the six Canon Thrawn books came out after we created this or something like that? I mean, four, five, something like it's Thrawn. Thrawn was released. I saw this. uh, I saw this because Del Rey is giving away a Thrawn copy. Right, because yeah. mm-hmm. yep. Thrawn came out uh, f- like five years ago today. I today. think is that what it was. Yeah, Thrawn came out five years ago today. This was the year that I started Utini, and Thrawn being on the top of my stack of books, it was one of the first oh modern goodness. Star Wars books that I purchased. Like, I'm gonna dive back into Star Wars. Books. I haven't read a book in like three years. I'm diving back into Star Wars books head first. I bought all the canon books. Thrawn was at the top of my list. I specifically went to Barnes Noble and got that black edition cover. You guys remember it? Do you have that, Eric? No. Yes, there it is. Look, it's black. That bad it's boy. Black. Oh, it's matte black too. I love it's it. like it's got I love a it's got a feel <laughs> to it. Yeah, I specifically bought that book and it sat at the top. So like, I was like, <laughs> I see what you did there. Nice, classy. Look at that. It's like almost perfect. It's perfect size. Look at that. It's freaking Eric. Did they model this off of you? What the hell? <laughs> it's like exactly your size. <laughs> We 
all learned something tonight. That's, that's uh, thanks for that thumbnail. You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there later. Anyway. Yeah, all good points, and and who knows if I don't know. We're gonna be talking about Thrawn a little more later on. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, I wanna I wanna run off on National Five because Charles. Also, Charles really quick, sorry to interrupt one more time. No, Rick. go for like, it. Go to, for it. To be to be clear, we haven't made any decisions about this. Oh we're no, this huge, is all conjecture. This is a this all is a conjecture. huge. We're having a, a huge team. There's a process that's going to occur for like the next month or two if we can get to it before celebration. We'll see. A huge yeah. process is going to happen behind the scenes that you need to determine which what we're going to do with the oh, Foundation yeah. Five. This is just the four of us like talking shit about all the yep. books, right? So yep. like, and nothing we don't know yet. Change. We don't know yet. Like, nothing like might I, I'm saying that I personally, being on the committee, not yep. in charge, right? But being on the committee that helps decide this. I'm not a committee. Yes. Like I'm saying that I could personally maybe make the argument that maybe air of the empire doesn't go there, but, but I want to see your comments. Y'all I don't know. Right. Corey, nobody's, nobody's taking my opinion just by the way. So just you know, I, I, I would throw in, well, we're going to talk about it later. Ooh, look at that tease. All right, Charles, it's been quite a year for you because one man has come to the forefront of the star war. And it is the man that rounds out our foundational five with his with his titular novel, Kenobi, by John Jackson okay, Miller. Man. Why did we put it in there? Why does it deserve it? That's right. So so Kenobi, of course, I'm the one taking this book because why wouldn't I? It's been around for some time. It came out in 2013. It, it basically tells the story of Obi-Wan's early days on Tatooine. And he kind of quickly realizes, you know, even though he's not really fully functioning as a Jedi anymore, there really is a lot of scum and villainy on Tatooine. And he he finds himself kind of entangled in that with the locals trying to kind of sort through some some craziness that's happening. Now, all in all, it's, it sounds like a pretty small story that doesn't necessarily, as is explained, strike you as something that would be so foundational. But y'all, this book is incredibly well written. This, yes. I, I think one of the best written Star Wars books that's out there does such a phenomenal job of putting you into the head and the mindset of Obi-Wan with sort of the stresses that he feels after his failures with Anakin, his struggles with trying to commune with Qui-Gon and feeling like he's sort of just been left for dead kind of out in the desert. Uh, the fact that he has to lay low, right? Because he's technically a yeah. wanted man, but he Stay can't hidden, just. If you will. Yeah, exactly. But mm-hmm. he can't just uh, stand by the wayside when he sees injustice. Like that's just against his very character. So it's just so Star Wars because Obi Wan is the consummate Jedi. Okay, I'm gonna say I I know I can hear people yelling in the chat. What about Yoda? What about this? What about that? What about Loden Great Storm? Yeah. Okay, I hear you. Um, but like, <laughs> oh, Ben, he's, he's the first Jedi we knew. Uh, and so getting this story is really important. It builds perfectly on everything that we learned from the films. So it's a great transition book in that way as well. Um, I really, I really just think it's a phenomenal book and I think it belongs in the, in the foundational five for those reasons. There are some cons that may catch up with us, right? Like the fact that, uh, there's going to be the Disney plus series, that will most likely contradict some, if not all, of what's in this novel. We sure. may find ourselves running into an uh, heir to the Empire situation. As of right now, that has not happened yet. Um, and, and, it, and it's a simple enough story, though it's very well executed, that it could still serve a purpose of, hey, this is, this is a Legends version of what happened. This is a canon version of what happened. And it wouldn't be as confusing, I think, as, as what we have right. necessarily with 
uh, with Heir to the Empire. I know we talked to, we've mentioned a lot of these books, um, Disney and, and Del Rey, and everyone is kind of doubling down on it saying, hey, this is Essential Legends. They're doing the Essential Legends collection. This is in uh, this is in the most recent wave, I think it was, right? So all those reasons, uh, I think another reason that may just be, I don't know, uh, I'm not going to say this is selfish, but this will serve the community, I think, at large, the Star Wars community at large, the reading community at large, by keeping it in the Foundational Five because maybe, just maybe, People are looking for more information about Kenobi in the coming months and, and years as we get more of this canon story, and that kind of leads them to either Utini or any book site out there, and they, they kind of learn more about yeah. Star Wars books. So I think it could serve an, an important purpose in that respect as well. I think you make a great point because at Utini, we love the evolution of Star Wars books and where we're going in the future. We're always looking towards the future, and it's so exciting. We are never in favor of the eradication or forgetting of legends ever. It's so important. I think that's, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about Charles is that having Kenobi in the foundational five ensures that if you're reading star Wars books, you have to acknowledge there are two timelines. And that is actually very important that you acknowledge that legend stories are still valuable, even if they contradict Canon and, and part of the fun. And I, I, I actually do think it is fun of being a Star Wars reader is having to be able to switch your mind between those. We switch our mind between different realities all the time and different universes and different sets of rules. That just happens in day-to-day life. It's just rarely so one-to-one. So you make an excellent idea that if we keep Kenobi in, it will say, hey, you want to read Star Wars? That's awesome. This is a great book, isn't it? Yes, it is different than the show that you just watched and rewatched and rewatched and rewatched because, let's be honest, it's going to be great. But that's cool to build up that skill set, and maybe that's something that that book can bring as opposed to the other four. I hadn't thought about it that yeah. way. I love that a lot. And just and just as a final point to really solidify my argument, because you know I I, I got to fight for my boy Kenobi. If, yeah, if baby. we if we try to take Kenobi out of the Foundational Five, you will have to fight me, and I do have the height. <laughs> <laughs> you are very tall. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's going to be tough. Listen, the, uh, <laughs> other, than, other than the fact that I'm being actively canceled in the chat right now, there are some really good points on here about uh, <laughs> from my comments about Air to the Empire. Uh, there are some really good comments in here about like some of the ideas that I was thinking about too. Like uh, Justin Krieger said, I wonder how much DNA the book is, or the series, the TV show Kenobi is going to share with the book. That's a really good yep. question. And also a really good intro to John Jackson Miller, which is yep. a, which are, are great points. Um, you know, like, I think uh, I I personally kind of hope that uh, the Kenobi show kind of steers around this book in an interesting way. Like like this book is pretty unique in the time. It's a very short period of time, so you could yep. still make the argument that unless it's a they, pretty small story overall, it is. Honestly. Yeah, it really is a pretty small story that doesn't take place over a long period of time. Luke is basically a a, ba- a baby, I think, pretty much yep. through the the book, right? So it, like, yeah, it picks up it looks almost like from, immediately. Yeah, yeah, it looks like the trail from the trailers from the show. It looks like. You know he's kind of battling with Lars, and maybe he's a little older. And we see yep. you know, we see Luke as kind of a, I don't know, a ten year old or eight year old or something like that, like in the trailer. So maybe this book will still be able to nicely exist. I hope it doesn't directly contradict it. I will say, yeah. you know, I've looked at the analytics on our site on this, and as soon as they announced the TV show. Um, you know, our, our content around Kenobi and like the book profile page and like the Kenobi collection are, are both performed a whole lot better than they have in the past. So like sure. people are interested in this book yeah. and I guarantee you that as soon as the Kenobi show comes out, 
Like this book is going to, I wouldn't be surprised if it hits the New York Times bestseller list again. Like, I mean, there's a like, reason that the Barnes and Noble is coming out with one of those leather bound editions yeah. of Kenobi mm-hmm. and uh Cessage deception. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I, I think it really has an opportunity to fit nicely. Like now, if it does totally contradict it, then yeah, we might, like you said, Charles kind of end up in a Thrawn situation, like where like it's totally been retconned, I guess in a way. And Oh, it's legends. It doesn't matter. That's not the real story. I hope that doesn't happen with this. Also, right. John Jackson Miller is a really cool guy and I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> he now. is. Uh, yeah, because that would be somewhat heartbreaking to me to see his story sort of totally ignored. But I don't think it's going to happen, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. I really don't. We'll find out. I'm I mean, I our lives are going to change so much in a month and a half when that show drops. And I can't wait. Hmm. But what else might change is the makeup of the foundational five. Now, folks, we have now given you the case for the five that exist. We are now going to go not rapid fire, but like in a quick audition of yeah. the books that might supplant some of these books or might be in addition to them let us know as we go through them which ones you would like to see and why and i'm going to start off with a book that without hyperbole i truly do think changed my life and changed the directory of my reading career of everything i think about literature especially in star wars so i no, i'm gonna vote for this one um it's uh it's light of the jedi (laughs) by charles soul uh a book that we have talked about ad nauseum on this show and a book that if it were not of a certain caliber of quality possibly could have sunk an entire initiative and era of Star Wars forever. That is and correct. I think the weight that it carried in that regard, the quality that it had, and the amount of readers that it brought into this whole new era firmly, I think, supplants it in a, as a member of a foundational five of books going <laughs> forward. I think that if you are reading Star Wars books in 2022 for the first time, you cannot ignore the High Republic. You cannot ignore yeah. what it has done to the industry, what it has done to the New York Times bestseller list, what it has done for new Star Wars fans. I mean, one of the people on our team, this was her first Star Wars book she ever read, and now she works for Utini. Like, this is bringing people in in a new way with new characters, with a yeah. new diverse set of faces, and it has just changed Star Wars storytelling in a way that we haven't seen in, yeah. in years and years and years. So, I mean, I'm not going to go on super long about it light of the jedi is one of the five most impactful books in star wars publishing to me yeah that's not like a that's not like a controversial opinion. not a hot take that's like (laughs) yeah seriously like like all the reasons that i said bane is such a great choice of like being this original era literally all that applies to this book too (laughs) like honestly one of the strongest contenders i think to be i think honestly this Light of the Jedi might be the what really kicked off the conversation of ooh maybe we need to update the Foundational Five yeah. seriously it was I remember it, that it conversation yeah for sure yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. when it came out um like it's top tier or one of the best Star Wars books ever written like seriously top five maybe top three literally ever written yep. um utterly phenomenal read I have no criticism the Utini book of the year <laughs> so good yeah out of out of all the Star Wars books that I've read like you get into the conflict immediately yeah. and it ties you in through the entire book you, you understand have, the it, vibe it, everything you get it immediately mm-hmm. and we talked about yeah. looking towards the future and i mean the the initiative is not slowing down right so like we're talking about this now at the end of phase one but there's phase two there's phase three i mean this is going forward the footprint doesn't get any smaller right yeah and i think that could right. be the only thing that could possibly be a con against it is that if you start light of the jedi then, I mean, of course, you can go to utini.com and hit the higher public button and then get a reading order. That's great. Everyone knows that. But there's, 
that's it, it is also akin to putting something like a vector prime or something in it that's like all right, read this. But then you do have a pretty long reading 40 list. Forty book series or something. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Good point. That's true. That's a good but, point. But that is, you could argue that's kind of a disadvantage. How exciting. Main books. Right? Yeah, I know. Like <laughs> you only get there's two. There's only three. There's only three, yeah. and you're done with the era basically completely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a couple other older public books, but they have nothing to do with Bane at all. No. And you're like, all right, moving on. Twenty thousand years forward. You know. Yeah. It's like, and part of reading yeah. these, of course, is that, there, is that there are so many books, which is why Corey, <laughs> uh, the, we have two new. Two other ones that I kind of want you to, to do one A and or two yeah. A and two B here, and they're these guys. It is both Thrawn, which talked about earlier by Timothy Zahn, and Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising, which yeah. are the beginnings of two Thrawn canon trilogies. Only one could probably get in right. if we're going to replace them, but I want you to make the case for both. Why they each deserve it? For sure, for sure. Thrawn uh, is you know this is. If I have a hot take on this show, besides despising I Jedi, I don't know if that's a real why hot stop take now. Uh, why stop now? Uh, which we clarified a couple episodes back. If you haven't been listening, blah blah blah. I don't actually hate I Jedi. It's mostly a joke. You know, moving on. Uh, Thrawn by Timothy Zahn, uh, an unbelievable origin story. I listened to the audiobook when I was working on the trailer about four months ago, I think, and it's it held up unbelievably well. So I've listened to it in the last six months. It is still one of my favorite books of all time. Absolutely loved it. Great, great origin story of the character Thrawn. Uh, we introduced Thrawn. It references Rebels a whole bunch. Like, it's a really great sort of introduction to that character. Also, if you're not going to read Legends, which a lot of people picking up Star Wars, I think the gut reaction for a lot of people is to start with canon. I don't think that's it, like a negative reflection of Legends. I think that's just what people yeah. kind of... It's like if you're going to start reading Marvel comics, you want to read in the same universe as the as the Marvel universe. You know what I mean? The MCU. So, like, I get it a little bit. Um, This is a great introduction to this incredible OG author, Timothy Zahn, right? Like that lives in canon, so it kind of wins both of the both of those arguments. Maybe the disadvantage of Thrawn maybe being an original book is it's. I don't know if it was originally intended to be a a three part series. It kind of feels like it wasn't when it was written. Like it is a very much a standalone story. And, like, there's no banner on the cover or anything. This book one of the three-book trilogy, yep. like, no one no one has ever said this is the Thrawn trilogy. Like, we've had to, as fans, unofficially mm-hmm. dub this the the first canon Thrawn trilogy, even though right. that's not what it is. And there's two more books. Um, what is it? Like, it's a... Uh, Thrawn Alliances and Thrawn Alliances Trees. Alliances and Treason. Thrawn yeah, Thrawn Alliances, Thrawn Treason, and, yes, Thrawn... Yeah, it's uh, the series does not hold up super super well in yeah. in my opinion. Um, you know, we sort of famously like didn't absolutely love these books. Now, honestly, in the next couple of years, we should seriously consider revisiting it. I think I'm we down. never have. It was I early agree. on in in Living Force career yep. <laughs> when we <laughs> when we looked at these books. Um, and uh, we really didn't love, you know, Alliances at all. Like, it's one of the lowest rated books on the Utini site, which is unfortunate. And Thrawn Treason. It's like it feels like Timothy Zahn is finally like I'm gonna start writing Star Wars books again. That's how it feels like, in the <laughs> yeah. book, and because he sets up the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy very, very well. So, you know, yeah. read Thrawn. Maybe you could be a good first Star Wars books. But if like if you go into reading Thrawn knowing that it's the first of a quote unquote three book series, you might be pretty disappointed with the second two in the series, which sucks. I really hate that. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, maybe it's not of, a great first read. Yeah. And one of the points that you did bring up though, which is. For me, the biggest reason why it kind of argues for the Foundational Five would be the Rebels tie-in. Because a lot of these yeah. mm-hmm. books for sure. don't tie into the animated shows. And True. I think having Governor Price as a main character uh, is, is re- relatively rare. And I think if you want to mm-hmm. grab that audience and we're looking for variety, could be an argument. But I like that a lot. Yeah. 
Now switching gears to talk about Timothy Zahn writing hella good Star Wars. Yeah. Speaking um, of our our other book of the year, yes, uh, yes, year exactly, before. other book of the year. Seriously, uh, Timothy Zahn getting his like hit the ground running, totally hit the ground yes. running. Like he figured out how to write Star Wars books again. Yep. Thrawn Rolled was amazing. Up his turtleneck sleeves, exactly. <laughs> Just went for exactly. It. <laughs> he, he, he pulled it up so it was like over his chin. Yeah, I don't know what he. I don't know what he does when he writes. Maybe that's what. No, he you does. nailed it. Know. You nailed it. That's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he was like, you know what? I'm writing a trilogy. Give me the contract. It's gonna be three books. I'm starting writing the book, knowing it's gonna be three books. I'm in no way backed into a corner because of an animated TV show. Timothy's on. Utterly shines with the Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising trilogy, or the Thrawn, excuse me, Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, starting with Chaos Rising. It's one of the best series in canon, like bar none. Uh, it's incredibly yep. original. It's gritty. Uh, like it's very true to the character of Thrawn, um, and it really, really developed that character well. I think like like the the Thrawn we see in Rebels can be very much appreciated by his development in this series. Yes, um, really, really fantastic. Although maybe a little complex for new readers, like. Uh, Justin Krieger in the chat said it's the best Star Trek novel wearing Star Wars wallpaper. And I love that description. A, uh, and you know yeah. who else would love that description? Our buddy Rick over on Legends Look Back. I, That's right. <laughs> huge Star Trek perfect. fan. And it's unique yeah, in that way. Sure. It is yeah, it is. Because it's, it's, it's unique and weird and science-y and there's bazillion names and a crazy family tree hierarchy. It could totally be overwhelming for a new reader. Unless yeah. you really like that gritty stuff. You know, in that case, then... You, you might love it. You might love it. Um, it does have uh, it does have a lot of references, however, to the previous trilogy. I don't know what it would be like reading Thrawn Ascendancy um, trilogy without having read like the original Thrawn book and right. like the an alliance because the whole someone scene on Anakin the team is did that. I think did they? Yeah, read this first. Well, and Stephanie Mack in the chat right now is saying that uh, <laughs> the the first canon trilogy is so vastly improved by the Ascendancy trilogy. So if we do decide to put Ascendancy in the Foundational Five. Maybe that could retroactively improve those. So if you read those first, you get a better overall experience. Because, again, our whole purpose with this is to start new readers on to have the best experience possible. So if we can take a few Mm -hmm. folks and flip the order... And get you them know. going in the right way. That we need can be a very uh, fun. we need we need a double blind case study. Uh, if we get some <laughs> volunteers <laughs> that never of read readers. Star Wars books, they've never read Star never Wars, read Star Wars before, or we'll, even we'll give them fifty dollars to read all these books and then study their Goodness. responses. All right, moving I've on. Never read Star Wars right, uh, uh, Yeah, this this one here. Yes. Corey, you, also, you got three in a row. my books. Yeah, I did. I didn't mean to get three in a row. Also, the three are also an amazing book, Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. I famously mm-hmm. read this book in one sitting. I started it one evening after dinner and didn't put Incredible. it down until like four in the wow. morning. I had to go to class the next day. I was in med school, oh, and I great. couldn't put it down. It was utterly phenomenal. One of the one of the my personal best experiences I've ever had reading a book. I absolutely loved it. Um, it, the, there are like it's it's Qui Gon as Anakin, fantastic story, amazing twist at the end. Qui Gon Obi Wan. There's oh what did I say? Oh Anakin, Anakin. and Obi Wan, didn't I? Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, Qui Gon and Obi Wan, fantastic story. I really really liked it. Maybe some disadvantages. It doesn't connect super well to really anything else. It's kind of its own standalone novel, mm-hmm. very much tied into the prequels for sure, into yep. Phantom yep. Menace and stuff for sure. Um, but I don't know. Like it feels like it feels like I don't know that. I don't know that we have a lot of modern Star Wars fans that are coming into Star Wars books that are like, you know what movie I utterly loved? My favorite movie of all time, Phantom Menace. I want to read nothing but Phantom Menace books like going forward. I think that 
Like, yes, those are fans. Charles, you're one of those fans. I right? am. But I think that I think Pod the racing, time. Baby. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> I think the uh, I think the time has passed for people being like, Phantom Menace is my jam. That's what I want to start with. I think yeah. the time has passed. Like, I think those kids have now grown up. Look how right? old so, we've become. To buy books. Exactly. Maybe. Exactly. Well, I think there is something to say about people wanting to know what happened before yeah. mm-hmm. Phantom Menace, and that that yeah. kind of scratches that itch. If it only does. cover again, art, it's not to a great prequel in. either. Yeah, yeah. cover <laughs> art too. Uh, we <laughs> also have we also have another Claudia Gray book already in the Foundational Five, Lost the Stars. Lost Stars, and you know we don't mm-hmm. want Reddit saying dirty things about us in the subreddits about how we <laughs> we we love they use different words claudia but gray. we love claudia gray what's well, true do. we do love claudia gray we do she's but, real good you know, what's the you problem could, you could make an argument that maybe <laughs> all the first books shouldn't be from the same author maybe yeah. so well ma- and master and apprentice is interesting too because i think i would kind of make master and apprentice a combination between lost stars and revenge of the sith in the way that the way claudia gray writes about the force is also very singular and you see this in her in the Fallen Star as well, but uh, the back of the of the hardcover book is a quote from Qui Gon about how you know uh, I ch- I choose it because it is the light. I I don't choose to win the cosmic game, and it's a beautiful quote. And Master and Apprentice is really one of those books in the Star Wars universe that teaches you that Star Wars books can also be meditations on life. And I think in addition to cool lightsaber combat and quips, which there are, there absolutely are. Master and Apprentice is a fun read. Don't get me wrong. It is. There are so many scenes that are like, huh, this changes the way I think about some things. Because the way Qui-Gon talks through Claudia Gray's writing about the Force and the nature of the Force is a really beautiful thing. That I think once you read, you're like, oh, Star Wars books can be this. So it's an interesting way to – it's the polar opposite of Bane, right? You see how the dark side Mm. can be this, and this shows you how the light side can be. And it's really – Ah, that's a book. Really, I mean, well develops ah, Qui Gon so too. If you, if you so walk good. away from you walk away from the prequels, and you're like, man, what character do I want to learn more about? Freaking Qui Gon, baby! Mm. Like this book is, mm, it's it might For be sure. the Qui Gon book. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah the Qui Gon really book. Good. I completely agree. Yeah, um, but I don't know that I don't know that people want the Qui Gon book. You know, three <laughs> foundational would be like, I mean? that's it. That's, that's it. it. That's all I need. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's a good point. Well, speaking of books that actually do have a logical next step. Uh, Charles, you got a few here we're going to go through. Let's start yeah, out, though, yeah. with uh, the beginning of one of, honestly, our, our most talked about and favorite but complex trilogies, which is Alphabet Squadron by Alexander Freed. Why would this belong in the Foundational Five, one of our more recent editions? Yeah, so, you know, I think that Alphabet Squadron has a few things going for it. As you mentioned, it's part of a series, and part of a series that really has no weak entries. Like, I really think that no one book outshines the other in this entire series it was home run after home run after home run um so there is a a nice place to go after reading alphabet squadron but it also it it serves as a very nice transition piece into understanding how things went from the ot to the st because that's there is still a whole lot of i don't know unknown in, in that time period but this book kind of follows like what does it mean for the rebellion to to try to become a legitimate government? What does it mean for the remnants of the empire to try to hold on to the power that they still have? What happens when those two clash? It also scratches kind of that itch of the Legends X-Wing series by giving us the canon story. And this book is like Mm -hmm. dark. I I think if there's there's two 
<laughs> yeah, it is. I, if there's two things that I think make this book a little bit less approachable for like the average reader, I think it's how dark it is. Because you, you actually walk away from this book almost feeling like you experience trauma yourself. And it's very technical writing. Like Alexander Freed yeah. is is known to write very technically. I think really any Star Wars book that focuses a lot on on ship warfare, starship warfare, is very technical. Kind of, uh, it almost has to be. Um, so those are things that kind of make it a little bit less approachable. I know Andrew is going to be very sad um, <laughs> when I say I don't think this is really really a legitimate like contender for the title, if you will, of being in the Foundational Five. But um, but it's up there. It really is. Yeah, yeah. And I, think I, I don't. I don't know that there is a. Sorry, to interrupt. You. I don't know that it. there is a more like divisive. Maybe like I don't know. If that's not really the right word because it's not like it feels like people either loved it or yeah, they were polarizing. just like this book. This book hurt me. Polarizing is yeah, a good yeah. way to put it. It's like mm-hmm. it's like the Last Jedi, like a little bit like of Star Wars canon books, and that like mm-hmm. like it is an objectively unbelievably well-written book it's objectively yes. the phenomenal. technical it skill is. is so yes. good it is objectively correct and anybody that says that the book is bad is wrong that's how i feel you know what i mean like it's, yeah that's how i feel about <laughs> the last jedi right yeah. like the movie is phenomenal like it, the skill is evident right the skill right. is evident in the book it's utterly good but like it's also you, you also have to acknowledge like the 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 divisiveness a little bit yeah, yeah. Like, people people walked away from this experience without a super Pleasure, like pleasurable, pleasurable, sorry, pleasurable experience, like for, yeah. for some people, because like you say, it's traumatizing and dark and gritty, and like yep. uh, Justin Krieger said in the chat, it's a very good anti-war Star Wars book. Like it very yep. much is. Like it's yeah. very dark and heavy, and like I think that people, uh, I think some people are chasing that, and I think there's a lot of Star Wars fans that would pick this book up and be like, "Holy crap, this is what Star Wars books are! I want more of yeah. this." Yeah. You know what I mean? It puts, I think it's definitely yeah. there, it but the I also think that Wars. people. Yeah, yes. for sure. I also think that a lot of people pick this up and be like, "Man, this was heavy." I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can read all the Lord of the Rings books. You know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. it kind of might feel like that. <laughs> yeah. Like what I think? Like the Hobbit. Really cool. Start with the Hobbit. That's Lost Stars. All right. Like the Lord of the Rings books, though, were like right. okay. That's actually a great comparison. But I also, I also like. I like. I like Alphabet Squadron. Also, because because Andrew is such a Lord of the Rings fan, it's also perfect for him. It's, I no, get it. Yeah, I get you why you love Bell. It, completely why this why this works, man. For sure. I, I like this in here because I, I do like the idea that if we're looking at the, the scope of Star Wars books, because, like, one of the things that bugs me is when people call, like, superhero films just superhero movies because Captain America Winter Soldier and, like, Black Panther are not the same movie. Like, they're, they're different. They are different genres. And I think for Star Wars books, Alphabet Squadron does show a completely different side of the coin. Like, most of our, most of our books in the Foundation of Five have to do with Force users of some kind. Lost Stars, obviously, less so. But we are looking at Force users, and a lot of Star Wars is actually about the people on the ground, or in this case, in the sky, in fighters. And I think pilots mm-hmm. are such a core component. Like, your Poe Dameron's, your Han Solo's. Like, these are people that are in ships, in space. Yeah. And having a book that focuses on those people, I think, pretty key. It's still um, different, though. I, I think people are going to see the Rogue Squadron film. What I imagine the Rogue Squadron Star Wars movie is going to be like, if I had to guess what it's going to be like. I think people are going to see that and be like, man, this was great. I want to read more Star Wars books. <laughs> then they're going to go read Alphabet Squadron and be like, well, I'm going to cry myself to sleep now. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just that heavy vibe, you know, I, and, and yeah. people loved it. Well, and there are two other books totally that we have here. Like, we, we can have Alphabet Squadron. We also have talked about, like, Rogue Squadron and the Paradise Snare. Um, two books that we also love that deal with those folks on the ground that, again, are, are 
formative for a lot of, I think a lot of folks, Rogue Squadron was their first book. Paradise Snare, Charles, was that, was Paradise Snare your first book? I think you told the story the before. Paradise Snare was my first book, yes. I yeah. still vividly oh, wow. remember picking it off of the bookshelf at Barnes & Noble. And like, and I think those kind of things can absolutely sculpt people for on-the-ground books. So the idea that the Financial Five would feature a book that is either a pilot or a smuggler to balance out all the Force users is definitely up in the air. So as as we go on here, that could totally work. But, I, sorry, Charles, I'm, I'm looking in your notes here. You did point out one specific issue that does happen with a lot of these pilot books or like yeah. rugged books that do maybe that start corn horn advantage. um yeah. yeah 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 correct well so <laughs> the rose squadron series in particular i'll say from the legends that i've series. read yeah sorry the x-wing series i always want to yeah. call it the rose squadron series the x-wing series which starts with rogue squadron um it was written in 1996 and as a result it does have some very prominent outdated ideas in particular Basically, the female characters are largely written as love interests. Um, there's a lot of commentary. You know, they they all have to be, you know, small waisted and all those kind of triggering kind of comments. That there's a lot of focus on their looks and a lot, not a lot of focus on their substance and what they're contributing to the story. There are actually some very strong female characters in the books. It's just never what's focused on. Um, right. So it feels very misogynistic. It it. I remember, you know, I read them when I was much younger. I mean, not 96 or whatever as they were coming out, but it didn't feel... Far more powerful? (laughs) Yes. It it, it wasn't as noticeable then, which is commentary on just society in general since then. But it's. I think the further we get away from when these books were written, the more and more and more prevalent it's going to be. You know, yeah, or, yeah. or apparent. Yeah, I was a little, and I was a little worried about this. I listened to this because they're releasing a lot of these in new audiobook format with the yeah. new Central Legends collections and Rogue Squadron. Is when I listened to that, um, you know, and it's our, it's our boy that narrates it, right? Mark, it's Mark Thompson, Thompson that yeah. narrates it, and oh. like, dude, I know that he had to read a lot of these lines and be like, ooh, this is icky. <laughs> like, listening, yeah. listening yeah. back to it, I was like, this is problematic, seriously, and and like some of the some of the descriptions and stuff, and you know, I I it's been too long since I've read Heir to the Empire or that that series. It's been way too yeah. long, and I wanted to say that I worried that, that would be a thing, but I want to put that. I don't want to put that. I don't want to say those words. I don't know if, if don't that know. is. It's been right. too long. It's been too long since I've read. I don't know if, if if those books also suffer from that. And I don't want to falsely accuse Timothy Zahn of having also a little bit of that too, and because of that yeah. age. But I fear it might be there. I need to go back and re-listen to those. You know, it's on my list yeah. literally for this year. Yeah. But like all the books of this era were like that, right? So. Yeah. You know that is a bit of a problem. Like I could certainly see how that could make people uncomfortable and and like make them not want it. It, it could hurt the feel of the book. It did for me for sure. Yeah. Like I was, well, I, I went into the Rogue Squadron of like I'm gonna like Cornhorn now, and then he sucked, <laughs> and I still hate him. So, well, and know. that's such a key thing. Like if, if we're if we're if we as a company, <clears throat> as a community, are gonna call something foundational, that means whoever you are in your life, whatever your your identity, your background, you should read this book and feel awesome. And be like, I want yeah. to continue reading this. You don't. You should not have to make a concession about right. any how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. And you sh- and some of these books, even some of the older books, don't require those concessions, which is why we put yeah. them in. Like mm-hmm. there are books right. that are written even 10, 15 years ago that are still phenomenal, and I, and I love those. So yeah. I think we do. You're totally right. We do owe it to our <clears throat> to our listeners and and site visitors to make sure yeah. that we call that out when we can. 
And yeah, did you walk out? You yep. walk out a, a woman. <laughs> a woman goes. To, she has no Star Wars friends, right? Yep. Young woman, no Star Wars friends. Goes to see the Rogue Squadron film by by Patty Jenkins by herself because she has yep. no Star Wars friends. And she says, "I want to get into Star Wars. I want more people to connect with." They stumble awesome. on utini.com. We recommend you read Rogue Squadron, the book. Oh, this is perfect. I just saw the film. I know it's different because I read all this stuff on utini.com. And then all the female characters suck, like yeah. all the way through the book. But then what if of, instead? Mm, Oh, it's fair argument. You know what? Fair argument. Fair argument. You know what? That that's an interesting thing where it's like it. I can imagine one of those videos like, "Hey, did you see Rogue Squadron?" Instead of this, what about <laughs> this? Exactly. Um, that's exactly so, it. <laughs> all great points. And then, and then Paradise. Honestly, having read Paradise Nero recently too, I think that, that absolutely has some misogynistic overtones, but it also says Han Solo was a character. While maybe not formative uh, and foundational, I think it's an interesting kind of book to start with smugglers and things like that. But it's part of the conversation. And I love that we did bring this all up because I think one of the books, excuse me, that has brought up new <laughs> characters that we haven't seen before and characters that never quite got the spotlight that they deserved all the time was this one right here, Queen Shadow. Maybe For sure. the most famously infamous book in Eugenie history because of the tech problems we had hilariously um, in reviewing it. But I think that if this was to be in the foundational five, it, my argument would be this. We talked about the importance of YA earlier. And I think that no book maybe, I guess, shows the importance of the YA genre better than Queen Shadow. It takes a character like Padme that a lot of people didn't feel was particularly served to her fullest potential in mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith in the prequel trilogy. And it gives her so much agency. It gives all these background characters so much agency in an excitement and in the trilogy as a whole, um, which again, our Queen Shadow review just went up last week. We'll be talking about that later in May. The trilogy really kind of altered how a lot of us began to think about not only these movies, but these characters. And, after we read Queen's Peril, which I wouldn't put in the Foundational Five just because it's the second book in a trilogy, mm. like I, it it changed how we viewed the movies, maybe more so than any other book in the Foundational Five currently. So, I think For that sure. ability, more so than even the the content, could mm. put it up there for me, which I think yeah. is kind it's, of an interesting it's certainly idea. it is definitely like a it's like. It's a super women centric book. Like, yes. like it is very much a, a by women for women type of type of book, which we absolutely need. I mean, Wes, you said that earlier. We need more representation in Star Wars, just for damn sure. And like, <laughs> like I, I could definitely see a plausible argument for getting this into like one of the first books you read. Um, you know, I've had we've heard a lot of people say that like this is the what got them into into Star Wars books. Yeah, like, like oh, so we got a Padme could, book. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I get it. I get it for sure. <clears throat> yeah, and it it. It, it it helps me because it kind of follows the events of Phantom Menace. Right. It does so it helps you. Beautiful it's like it's Menace. like cheating on the test. It, it's not cheating on the test. It's like it's like it's like What's doing what like, you should Wes? do: studying, <laughs> study, yeah. and studying before the test. And that way, you know the events before you go yes, in, that's right. and then you get thrown a curveball. But hey, you still know you know the Most overall concept, yeah. and then you get yeah. and then you get those details that kind of make you go. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So for sure. A whole different yeah. point. And then of course, we're gonna round out tonight. Wes, I wanna bring up these two books here. Uh, that you've talked about quite a bit. I know you're a huge fan of. It is 
the anthology books from a certain point of view yes. and from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back. If we're just talking pure volume of story, to have a new reader be like, what? Who writes Star Wars? What are they about? I maybe have some commitment issues to larger novels. <laughs> Wes, why, why would we put these pretty unique collections maybe in the Foundational Five? Yeah, so maybe. I loved this book because, one, it was my first canon book, and two, I was flabbergasted that it followed the story of A New Hope. And so as I watched A New Hope before I read the book, and every single like action sequence and character that showed up in the movie was in this book. It had the side story. So you have this main road of the movie and all these little connecting pieces of all these characters that have to do with A New Hope. And it's it's not formally canon, right? Like the stories are like that are within the book I itself. Think it's mostly canon. I think it is mostly yeah. canon, right? I, I think it, I think it would I think it is canon. I think the book is yeah, canon. Yeah, it is but canon like, enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's canon enough so with, with the with the knowledge that yes, I suppose this could be retconned later. Like it has that yeah. feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. So it gives you. I mean, just some of the reasoning like behind why why the the little red droid in, in New Hope why his motivator blew up. <laughs> like why did that happen? <laughs> wow, R five D four slander. my goodness it needs to be on a t-shirt oh man but like it's if you've read star wars books and you've been like within the expanded universe for for a while now you've heard every single star wars character has their own backstory and these books are an epitome of what that is but almost every single character almost like too almost like almost like too far though Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, yeah, like, like too far. Like they Some take they take they take a lot of the goofy, <laughs> campy that are not real background stories at the time when Star Wars was yep. filmed, uh-huh. you know, but but have been made into legend, like almost an occult classic, yeah. like 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 Wilro sure. Hood, for example, yep. has an entire mm-hmm. backstory, yeah. which is yep. not that's like it's a joke from the original movie when it came out, but now he's got a real canon story, so like it's it's hilarious Maybe. at times. Yeah, like, it's almost like it's almost like the book is. It's kind of what celebration is whenever you are uh, doing, uh, whenever you're doing like you're dressing up. Cosplay, so you always yeah, try cosplay, to find the yeah. most, yeah, cause you try to find the most obscure thing that you could find yeah. within Star Wars. And then you find out there's like another 40, 50 people <laughs> have the same idea as you do. And you're like, this is exactly what we were looking right. for in Star Wars. So this is one of the main reasons it's easy to get into. It's like studying for the test. You have. But like a split second of it, like character has been on the, the screen flashes by, especially in the cantina scene. You'll see these characters like the the uh, Deveronian yep. and like yeah. the and the, the just like the, the weird astronaut guy is there for yeah. half a second. And he has his own he has his own story. I mean, here. hey, you, you so need to learn why the bartender doesn't like droids. Yeah, yeah, like, and, a, and a lot of it, a lot of it is really yes. rich, really good storytelling really that cool. legitimately adds to, yeah. adds to the films. But like, arguably, a lot of it is not, and is kind of goofy and dumb that mm-hmm. it even exists. Yep. Like the freaking, the weirdest story that I would maybe argue should not have been written is the freaking. Uh, uh, what's the monster in the trash compactor called again? The, uh, the Dianoga. The Dianoga has a whole backstory. Oh, yeah. It's like, why the hell does yeah. this exist? Like, an author jumped on that just because. Like, not, yeah. not to, it doesn't add anything. It's just kind of goofy. <laughs> so, it, like Justin Krieger said in the check, this is kind of like a spinoff from the Tales from uh, the Tales from series yeah. in yeah, Legends. Yeah. So there's yeah. Tales from Jabba's from, Palace, from, Jabba's Palace, from Mos Eisley Cantina, yeah. from mm-hmm. Tales from the Bounty Hunters, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, yeah, for sure. 
And I yeah, think one of the cool definitely. things that it does is it is kind of like an audition for future Star Wars writers. Like a lot of Star Wars writers that Perfect. are currently writing mm -hmm. in canon, you can find in these anthology books. Like Kevin Scott wrote a story. Mm -hmm. Claudia Gray wrote a story. Mike Chen wrote a story. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of these folks started in the shorts and now they've moved on and are writing canon. So in yeah. that way, it could be a foundational. All these books we talked about yeah, tonight, maybe a, uh, could be. It could, I could maybe see the argument if you want – I think one of you guys said earlier it's very non-committal. I think it was Eric. He said uh, that. Like, yeah. if you wanted, mm -hmm. if you wanted a Star Wars book that is very non-committal, of like, eh, maybe I'll read Star Wars books. Set it on the nightstand. Flip through two or three stories a night, and it'll take yep. you a couple weeks to get through it. Like, that's what you that's did, me. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling that story. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's like mm -hmm. it's kind of like that, right? It, it yeah. certainly does the job of expanding on the characters, connecting to the film. It fits all of our criteria. What am I saying? It's perfect. Let's just like, let's, let's just like, replace <laughs> Lost Stars with it. I mean, there it is. It fits. All the criteria, but, but it almost like hacks its way into fitting all the criteria. It does. You know it does. what I mean? That's what it is. Yes, it does. It so does I mean, kind of hack its way. Technically, I did the assignment right. You taught, like, yeah. Well, yeah, you yeah, don't but, have to. You don't have to reread the past five, like the past chapter. To remember where you are right. in the book. Like, like, oh, that's what happened. Yeah. It's like you getting a copy of the of the answers and just memorizing the letters, like A, D, C. You know, just like straight down the list. That's what it is. That's how it made it <laughs> into the criteria. It's just like, yeah, the answers are correct, but like you didn't learn anything in the process. You know what I mean? <laughs> Your med school is showing. <laughs> yeah. I didn't cheat my way through med school. Let's get that clear. <laughs> so all that being said, though, folks, we have – so all these books that we've talked about, I, I think – I mean, obviously some of them <clears throat> seem more obvious to stay. Whether we're going to stay with five, whether we're going to expand to six or seven, whether the current books are going to stay or new books are going to come in, we're not sure yet. And I think this is literally the first conversation we've had about it we're going to have for the next month and what i would love from all of you that are listening or watching send us a comment send us a message what do you think as a star wars reader should be foundational for readers in the future what do you think says the most about star wars reading now what reflects the past but encourages the future um all these books are are great in their own way and i'm so excited to see what's going to form the basis of the next generation of star wars readership Ah. I can't wait for all that to happen. But, of course, that is a ways down the line. A little quick tease. Next week, currently on the schedule, pending to change, but I'm pretty sure we are going to be getting you ready a little bit for Star Wars Celebration. It is going to be about a month away. So we're going to be talking about some of the things that we can't wait for, maybe some of our predictions, of course, all the UTE news that we know when we know it. But we will see you then for that prep show for now. I want to say, I hope you have a great week. Hope you have a great night. And that'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you so much for a lot of support. Look out for that Revenge of the Sith commentary coming your way in the next week, week and a half or so. And a special thank you goes out to OK Endar, Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Matt Billington, Elizabeth Cloutier, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is at C. Hankel. Wes is at Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, and Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Wes for potting with me tonight. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening. And as always, may the Force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. 
This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you, always.